What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. You've been waiting for this for two years and an extra week because we didn't give it to you last week. We're here to talk about the Equalizer. This is the, the gem in the Denzel Washington catalog you guys have wanted us to talk about. So we're here on Action Movie Daddy to break it down for you right now. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! It's yes. so appropriate. It's Yes, it is. Fuqua, Denzel, we're back. Dre. Dude, it's been so long. It's been I so missed long. you guys so, it's, so much. It's been an extra week. We're back with an extra special episode of Action Movie Anatomy. Happy holidays, everybody. How was your Thanksgiving? Did this... Are you waiting for a response? Uh... <laughs> Is this this song came about because of Training Day? Was it in Training Day, or was it around yeah. when we did Training Day? You're talking about the song? Yeah, yeah that was, was because of it, right? It's that's in Training. Started. Day. No, I know, but that's when we started yeah, using yeah, yeah, it, right? Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah, there was okay. just a, there was just a general feeling of awesome yeah. when we watched the movie again and remembered like what had happened, and then we like started the show with it the one day. And then it became the Team Action song. Yeah, I've had a handful of people be like, whenever I hear Still Dre, it's because I, I think of Team Action, which yeah. I think is amazing. It's so great. <laughs> it's just like the perfect song for us, because it's like so kind of like ridiculous. Yeah. It's perfect for our age. It feels awesome. Well, I just think that there's something so wonderful about the fact that when that, when that song first came out, you and I were 12. So yeah. it was just like, it was like the coolest song in the world. All the slow-mo, like the hydraulics in the cars, Snoop and Dre and oh, Eminem. And just like being 12 years old and the chronic coming out yeah. and you buying it and being like, I am now a rapper. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I like Dr. Dre now. Yeah. Like I was like, my older brother liked the chronic, the first one, but I get to buy this one. Yeah. I, I knew all the words. My like, mom was like, what are you listening? Yeah. She could understand most of it because she's Korean. Right. But she could understand like... <laughs> The hard F words yeah, and right. things like that. And she was like not happy. And about they it were at all. hard. And they were very hard. The, I mean, like you just even in Training Day, like the fact that you have Snoop in the movie and Dre's in the movie, like and it, also the other thing about Still Dre is that that's become the song from that album. I think that it has endured the most, even though at the time, yeah. forgot about Dre was a bigger hit. Yeah, for sure, it was a bigger hit. Yeah, what I want to talk. But Still Dre is like the song. Anyway, guys, uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, we're here for Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies, all things movie related and pop culture by the bucketful. Uh, this is Action Movie Anatomy. We talk about action movies on the show. Yeah. Those action movies adhere, I'm having a stroke, to four basic rules. Rule number one the hero always plays by their own rules. Of course he does. Denzel. He's Frank McCall. What is the only movie that Denzel hasn't played by his own rules in? Ever? Ever. Actually, I can't go back to the old movies that well. I don't know. Yeah, old the old one. Well, well, I mean, the old ones, like, for sure he didn't, because, like, obviously, Glory, he yeah. doesn't really play by his own right. rules. And, like. Okay, so since Denzel has become Denzel. The icon Denzel? Is there ever a time where he hasn't played by his own rules? Like, John Q, maybe, or out no, of time? No, he definitely he plays does, by right? his own rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Antoine I, Fisher? Uh, he's, like, nah, he's the boss. Yeah. Uh, there's probably like one if we were to look them all up where we'd come across it and be like, this is this was a weird choice that he made. It would be uncomfortable. It's like watching Cruise and the Mummy. You're kind of like, I don't like when you're yeah, when right. you're confused. I would never want to watch Denzel be like, he yeah. That. I, this is going to be a fun episode. There's a lot to talk about because yeah. this, this is this is a as close to a modern day Denzel movie as we've gotten to do. Like Magnificent Seven is newer, but it's just not the same. No, it's a western. Like yeah. this is this, this is like, like straight up. This is our genre. Yeah, and he also went out and did like back background character work on OCD people and like interviewed them and stuff. Yeah. So it's like this is Denzel trying. Whereas Magnificent, it felt like he was like phoning it in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so number uh, he was number, like, if I put on this cowboy hat and mustache, I look twenty years younger. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not even gonna <laughs> do an accent. I'm just gonna talk like myself. Uh, rule number two: the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. People, villains, creatures, whatever it might be. Yeah, for sure. I think Jason Isaacs is the... Uh... Yeah, Jason <laughs> Isaacs is definitely the smartest guy on the other side of the table. There's no doubt. Like, Tavington knows all. Very creepy. Um, and then and then Denzel uh, is, of course, the smartest guy in the room. He yeah, knows I mean, everything. He is. He's, uh, he's got a vague background. Uh, rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. Yeah, he's former military. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's He awesome. used to equalize things. Yeah, rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion with Denzel walking away from it in slow-mo. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> Did <laughs> you write that in there? It definitely has one of those. Yeah, you have to if Denzel's in it. Um, yeah, man, this movie, I'm, I'm super excited to get to get into it today. So uh, Yeah, before we get fully into the episode, I want to remind everybody here, if you guys are watching, listening, whatever, for the first time, uh, follow along with us. We have a bunch of different places you can yeah. find us. You can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter 
or you can find our action movie anatomy twitter at ama podcast yeah you guys can find me at andrew guy on instagram and twitter and you can find our facebook fan page it's called the action movie anatomy fan page pretty straightforward on facebook and there's also the action army fan page join us yes come yes. and watch movies and talk Movies, trivia, schmodown, everything. We talk about everything in those those groups. There's a good community of people there. And the Action Movie Anatomy one's got almost 1,100 people now. It is yeah. growing again, thank God. Oh, yeah, and we figured out the glitch that happened. Yeah. So there was a glitch, apparently, that no one could join for like two weeks. And you and I didn't notice. And then yeah. the day that we noticed, it was fixed. And we had like 13, 14 people join. So yep. thank you so much to everyone that helped us fix that. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's let's get into it. So let's get straight into it. Yeah. So, uh, guys, today on the show, we are gonna we're gonna watch the trailer, do a thesis statement. We're gonna talk about the ranking, the definitive ranking of Antoine Fuqua's films uh, in Oof. order, in our our order. Uh, I think you know. I said to you when we were prepping the show that I didn't think that there was an action movie anatomy question this week that was worth doing a whole segment on. But right. I take it back. You have one. Yes, and it's a, it's a Richard Eric Jarvie question. And ah, it's a really, of course it is. It's a really good one. Okay. Um, and then the last thing we're going to do is top five old guy action stars. What we mean by that is yes. guys that can get away with being out of shape or old in the action hero role, and we totally buy it. Yeah, we don't care. We just want to keep watching them do that over and over. So Drew and I are going to pitch our, our own uh, perspective list of five guys that are doing it currently or we think should do it. Without further ado, let's get into the trailer for The Equalizer. Was this good? I didn't watch the trailer. I don't remember it. Yeah. Sometimes I like not watching the trailer before the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. It's a happy ending. It's not crazy exactly. to me how hard Chloe Grace Moretz fought for this part. Yeah. Just it's crazy. Part of his life she's like, not much of a part for her. No. And she's already like... Old man's got to be the old man. Awesome. Everyone already loves her. Yeah. Well, I think at the time this came out, she was... Because she'd already done Kick-Ass. Hugo. And Hugo. So she was up and coming. Yeah. But I think, you know, in her mind, she's like, this is going to be... Young yeah, it's going to be a Denzel action movie. Like, Blacklist winner. Yeah. This is one of my favorite moments. Give me that ring. No, it was my mother. Please. Jenny. What's she doing about? It is about a guy who's a knight in shining armor, except he lives in a world where knights don't exist anymore. My ring. Regular guy trying to blend in. The regular guy, I work at Lowe's. Anything you want to be, change your world. Plywood is on aisle four. I promised I would never go back to being that person. When somebody does something unspeakable to someone you hardly knew, you do something about it. Because you can. I mean, about a girl. <laughs> Her name's Haley Bennett, right? The other girl? That's that. She's that girl. She's that nondescript girl who's like showed up in everything the last two or three years. She's really pretty, but she's like kind of a nobody. She's the oh, prostitute. the chick that gets killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Haley Bennett, right? I, I couldn't tell you. Exactly. But I recognize her. She's been in a ton of stuff recently. 19 seconds. You didn't take out five pimps. You took out the East Coast hub of the Russian mafia. Yeah, cast like this where it's like yeah. Melissa Leo and Bill yeah. Pullman. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're just like, guys, why are you in that part? Like, <laughs> you, also the producer's like, what are you doing? Like, you don't have to pay these people. Yeah. You can pay someone else half the price. Pullman has like two lines. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Because I can keep going. I know, and I saw Melissa Leo, and I forgot even who she was for a minute when I was reading the trivia, but she was apparently in the original TV show. Yeah, she was. So it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you see when you look at me? Pullman wasn't. No. like the start. Oh, mo. Uh, it's it's weird because I almost feel like the trailer does it a bit of a disservice because it almost seems like too campy. Yeah, for sure. Something. Totally agree. I mean, look, this. Let's be honest. There's uh this is a genre of movie that like I, I thought about this a lot. I thought about this a lot for this week's episode, and I was trying to figure out what it is that makes a big star doing an action movie appealing because if it's a big star doing an action movie that's like based on a really successful book series or something where there's a lot of hype and it's like promoted heavily right we have a general aversion to wanting to get excited about it because if it's as good as they're hyping it to be that feels like we got what we expected but if it's any worse then we just think it's bad yeah. so if you think about like a lot of these ones that come out they sort of come out of nowhere that's like what born was like born was based on like a spy book series but it's not like Matt Damon was an action star, yet he wasn't. No. And, and, and that was not a movie that people were like, oh, my God, Matt Damon is Jason Bourne. It was like, oh, this was a really above average spy movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even when it came out, I remember like the trailers and stuff because we didn't know who Damon really was yet yeah. and everything. We were kind of like, 
what is is this gonna be good because this is still when that happened we were still kind of on board with bond kind right. of it yeah, was like O2. things were yeah exactly and it was yeah. just like that's what we wanted was more bond and good bond um so when when born came out it was the same thing. It was at the same time as like how these all came out in a group. Yeah, the Wicks and the Equalizers and the uh, the Reachers. You yeah, know? taken a few years earlier. Yeah, it's it's really kind of fascinating thinking about this movie because each of those movies we just talked about, the reason they're so good is because they were unexpected hits. Yeah. Like every one of the ones we just mentioned was like, I mean, I guess Reacher is the worst of them, and it's funny because Reacher is like kind of trying to be bigger than it should have been it yeah was reaches prom- the one that you kind of ex- thought was trying too hard it was a cruise movie so yeah. it was going to be promoted like cruise wasn't going to be in the movie unless it was promoted like crazy and it was it was all over tv it was a big release and it was fine we like jack reacher yeah but we like the first one just fine i don't remember the equalizer coming out in theaters i don't remember john wick coming out in theaters and the only reason i remember taken <clears throat> coming out in theaters was because i saw it with my buddy on our bad weekend movie oh thing right but it do. was actually awesome and it was awesome yeah, yeah 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 and like those movies are not supposed to they're not really supposed to excite you when they're promoted unless you're like the biggest fan of that actor which is what makes them so satisfying when they're awesome so yeah. that's exactly what this movie like thrives off of is, is just like taking denzel's awesomeness yeah it's like low expectations and then inject denzel um all right so that's just our our, our general preamble uh, we're gonna get into the first section of the show guys and this is called thesis statement so uh, thesis statement if you're watching or listening for the very first time it's your mm. big bold thought about the movie it's it's that one idea you have that kind of carries all throughout the episode should be rooted in hyperbole the greatest this the best this the only this should never just be this is my favorite something or uh, there was a really cool scene in this that I hadn't seen before like that's not really strong enough you want to be able to remember this so when the movie comes up again you really can communicate that Um, and I thought about this for two weeks because right and I thought about it for two weeks too and I had a pretty hard time but I think I I, I got to a good place so I want to hear what yours is yeah all right so um, Denzel Washington is the greatest classic movie star working today Um, and so I'll tell you exactly what I mean by that because when I watched this movie, what I found myself thinking the whole time was like, sure, he's he's doing the OCD stuff and he's like organizing his, you know, he's scrubbing his shoe or whatever. But like right. end of the day, what makes this movie good is the same thing that made every Denzel Washington to Tony Scott movie good. It's the same thing that makes pretty much everything Denzel's in good, which is that he's the closest thing to the classic studio stars of the 40s and 30s and 50s right. that we have where it's like if you cast Denzel... He's just going to be Denzel. Now, you can say he's a firefighter. You can say he's a cop. You can say he's a lawyer. But he's actually just Denzel being those things. He can do the character work. It doesn't matter. He just shows up, and as long as he's Denzel, he's super enjoyable to watch. That's like what it used to be. That's what they would cast like Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, I was to just do. gonna say Bogart in Casablanca is like the is such a great example of that. He's kind of exactly the same in every movie, no matter if yep. he owns a bar, if he's a private detective, thing, yeah. and it's that's how it was until. It didn't in the like the fifties and sixties when these guys started to really like wear prosthetics and do like weird accents and right. really like immerse themselves into like method. The old days was a studio was like we have you know we've got Burt Lancaster for five movies, so Burt Lancaster is going to be Burt La- or like Rock yeah. Hudson's handsome. So if we can get him to be super handsome in these movies for five movies, people will see the movies. Yeah, and it's like Denzel has achieved this in a way where like kind of no one else has been able to because. I'll explain. Like, Cruz, for instance, he's too big. Yeah. The expectation is has been there for too long for the movies to make money, so the audience doesn't really want to like him anymore. He can't just be Cruz casually in a movie. If it, it, does, it doesn't make money, it's a failure. Yeah, it's not... It's not. I mean, it's very common knowledge that m- most people like Denzel far more than Cruz. People love George Clooney, but George Clooney never really became the guy that just, like, was comfortable doing, like, these box office draws like he didn't make 20 oceans 11s right he tried to direct the good german or that you know like he directed but like leatherheads and he tried to make all these movies that were kind of just awful um and all he would do is be in you know the descendants and up in the air or these like really bad movies you don't really have guys that have the star power that denzel has that just are themselves he doesn't even when he shoots for an oscar even like in flight he's still just denzel shooting for an oscar in flight yeah it's interesting you say that because it's like we both truly believe that Denzel is a very, very talented actor. We love him, but... One of the best alive. But he doesn't have to really do it anymore. And he hasn't been. And Magnificent Seven was one of the first examples when you and I were watching it. We were both kind of let down by Denzel's yeah, performance. right. Even though we still loved him, it was just like, you just are totally phoning it in here. Yeah. And it's interesting because, yeah, when you go back to those old movie stars, it's like, I mean, I, I can't speak on whether or not Hudson and Grant and all yeah. them were like phoning it in or not, but like, Denzel... 
doesn't have to do the work, even though he did, he kind of did the OCD work. But like you said, yeah, he's, th- he is just Denzel Washington. I think he always does the work. I think he takes his craft extremely seriously. Of course. But like, it's just, it's hard to explain, but it's like Denzel, for instance, it just doesn't seem like he would play like a like a doofus baseball team manager in a comedy for Disney. Right. He just well, wouldn't I mean, do that at even this Even Roman Israel Esquire, which I yeah. haven't seen yet, I'm sure he's just kind of a bumbling version of himself. Yeah. Whereas, like, you go and you look at, like, Oldman yeah. in The Darkest Hour, and, or you look at uh, D-Day Lou, his new movie that's coming out with yeah, right. P.T. Anderson. Phantom Thread, yeah. Yeah, and you're just like... D-Day is a good example <laughs> in this one because in Phantom Thread you look at it and you're kind of like, yeah, I see Daniel Day-Lewis. But at the same time, you're like, I don't know who the fuck Daniel Day-Lewis is. Right. He doesn't have like a thing no. that he does in every movie. You're just like, oh, I recognize you because you look the same and you have the same voice kind of. But like, yeah. I don't know you. Whereas Denzel, it's like, this is just who he is. There's like all of these things about Denzel that I was thinking about. Um, and I don't want to rant on this for too long because I want to get to your thesis. But I don't it, have one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you go look at Denzel's movies from the 80s and 90s. Even the fact that his voice hadn't fully changed yet makes his like. You mean to the all right then? No, no, no. Like, have you have you ever? Uh, if you go back and watch all, oh, clips, like the high voice in the lower. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got a high. <clears throat> he's got a slightly higher voice when he talks. Yeah, he back talks like this. back in the nineties. Whereas, like now, when he talks, you feel like it's always really deep. But he's like, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. You're it's like Denzel. he's almost trying to be polite when he was younger. And now he owns the room. Yeah, you know, it's weird. It's weird. So that's my thesis. He's just he brings. He brings more value in being Denzel Washington to a movie than any actor alive. Like, yeah. there's no one I can think of, actor or actress, that does as much for a movie by just being themselves. Just in themselves. It. And it's also, it doesn't bother your audience. It doesn't bother Ever. me in the slightest. Ever. I almost want it. The more, yeah. the more Denzelish. You, you do. Yeah. Like, if we go watch Roman Israel today, it's like, we, we do not want to see him disappear into a bumbling guy that is that guy perfectly. We want to see Denzel's version of him playing that guy. I didn't love Fences. Fences is, he's, he tries right. a lot harder to do something else in Fences, and, and he's very good. It's just, it's not really, it's, I don't need to see Denzel do that. Right. It just isn't as fun. All right, so I'm going to jump in here with my thesis, and <clears throat> it took me a really long time to come up with this. I actually finally came up with it today. And I was, like, reaching. I had to, like, look up people and, like, read about trivia, and I was like, what the what do, do I some do? Trigonometry. Do some trigonometry. <laughs> um, and I came with it when I looked at Antoine Fuqua's filmography. Yeah. And my thesis is that Antoine Fuqua is the most confused director that we've ever covered on the show. And the reason that I say that is because if you go and you look at his filmography, it's yeah. like video short, Prince is the most beautiful girl in the world, Coolio. So it's Gangster's Paradise. So he's, he's a you know a music he's video a video director, guy, yep. right? And then he goes style. to The Replacement Killers in 1998. Yeah. And then he goes back to Usher Live, 99. Then he does Bait in 2000. Yeah. Then he does Training Day. Then he goes back to Tony. And then he does Tears in the Sun. And then he does a documentary called Lightning in a Bottle. Yeah. Then he goes to King Arthur, right? And yep. now in the middle of all this, he's got... TV movies, shorts, Shooter, Brooklyn Finest, Equalizer, Olympus, Southpaw. Yeah. He's got another TV movie coming out, Magnificent Seven, another TV series the coming Ali out. Ali Project, right? Another short, another doc, and then this Ali Project. Yeah. And it's like, I look at this and I go, who's, who the, who is this? Yeah, totally. I, I look at it and I'm, I'm like, no wonder you and I disliked him for so long. Yeah. And no wonder we disliked him because it was people praised him for being this great visionary director. And it's like, look, Training Day was good. And it was it was fun, and it's like it's fine to go back and watch, <laughs> but it makes sense to why only until recently, when you and I have kind of just been like accepted Fuqua for who he is, yeah, and been like Magnificent Seven, Olympus Has Fallen, Equalizer, Equalizer Two, and you're yeah. like, this is the guy that I like, yeah, right. This is the director that I want, totally. And I think it's I wanted to be like he hadn't found himself till the Equalizer, but he'd started doing Shooter and Olympus Has Fallen already, yeah. I think he's finally figured out who he is, kind of. Yeah. But looking at his filmography, I just it makes sense why everything he does is kind of mediocre to me. Yeah. Even though things that are like Southpaw's like good enough. His 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 directing his directing career is the same as Stallone's acting career. Yeah. It's like the same. It's like every time you veer from the path of the thing that you're really good at, it's like hard to understand what this is. And occasionally you do something kind of good, but most of the time, it's just kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it, there, I have so much to say about Fuqua and like, because we, we really do like him now. I like love Antoine. Fuqua. I know. And it, it's true. <laughs> someone's just like, uh, someone's like, you know, these guys have a lot love hate relationship with his director and it's, it's true. It's like, but now it's just a love relationship and a hate for his like history. I think almost. we've covered more Fuqua movies on this show than any other director. I think you're right. I was yeah. going through and looking, it's like, we've done shooter. We've done equalizer. We've done, we've, we're going to, we've done training day. We've done magnificent. Yeah, I think there's at least we'll one do more. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we've covered a lot of his movies. Um, so 
I, I agree with you. I think he is a very confused director. I don't think... Like, I, I think that uh, since we started the show to now, we have shed our expectation of Antoine Fuqua in a way that makes his stuff so much more acceptable to us. Whereas yeah. when we started the show, we hadn't done all this research. We hadn't watched all these movies and talked about it. And I think at the time, we still had a sense, because that was right around the time Southpaw came out. We thought he was... We were like, yeah, he thinks he's this guy, and the world thinks he's this guy. Whereas, like, after really watching it all, it's just like, he's just not. He makes he makes entertaining movies. He makes super entertaining movies. You know, yeah. we're, we're going to be all over the place today, I think, because I want to stay on the subject for a second before we move off of it. Richard Eric Jarvie asked a question on Facebook. Okay. Um, and the question was, could Fuqua be the new Tony Scott? I just saw that yeah. this morning, and I was going to, yeah. So... Didn't, he didn't mean any disrespect by it, which I get because, you know, we don't really like Fuqua and we, and we love Scott Tony, but in the highest regard. So what I thought about was that <clears throat> Tony Scott's a better director for, like, a bunch of different reasons. Um, he had a better visual mastery. He's older, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, RIP now, but he was older. And he had a he had a seemingly better understanding of, like, quiet character moments. Like he had a, That was, like, Tony Scott's greatest strength, in our opinion, I think, is that he... He had his his moments in those movies where he would. We've talked about a lot of them. Yeah, I mean the moments between like Creasy and uh, yeah and Dakota, and Dakota like, are incredible. Yeah, he was great at that. He like really understood where to place those moments. And it, as much as it could have come off as heavy handed, and sometimes obviously it did, you know, bring bring home milk and I took a bribe. Those are great moments. Like we do yeah, love they're amazing. <laughs> we love those moments. They're like the most memorable moments in those movies. And so I think that's where. Tony Scott was so successful where I don't think Fuqua has managed to do that for me. Yeah, and it's interesting, though, because, like, we talk about towards the end of Tony Scott's career when he's just, it's just him and Denzel making basically the same movies over and over. Yeah, He really finds his home, and it's like, it is so Tony Scott, whereas you go back and you watch Crimson Tide, and it's not so Tony Scott. It's like getting there. It's getting there, but but yeah. At the end, it's like, so you wonder if, if Fuquad takes Denzel, which he's already kind of done, and yep. made him his muse, he's done three movies now. Yep. And um, <clears throat> and like he he accepts the type of director that we've painted him to be. Yeah. And he keeps making these movies. Why not? I think yeah, and I think you he know? can do great stuff. He'll make Equalizer too. Like, um, you know, they're both attached, and, and that's supposed to be just August of next year. So it's that movie's probably shooting already. I'm so curious to see because we've gotten Jack Reacher two, we've yep. gotten John Wick two, and now we're about to get Equalizer two, yep. which took the longest, I think. Yeah, for um, sure. And and John Wick two was good enough. Yeah. Jack people, Reacher two love, was a bummer. A lot of kinda. people love John Wick two. I know, love. and I and I wonder if we need to go watch it again. I also think we might need to go watch Atomic Blonde again because someone was just telling me yesterday how much they loved that movie, but our expectations were so high. You know? Yeah, that they all do. There's something else I want to point out, but I'll wait. Yeah. Um, well, no, I'm done. Oh, I was just gonna say Atomic Blonde reminded me. All of these movies do the same annoying thing, which mm-hmm. is that they all have the final ten minute scene where the hero has to go kill the ultimate ultimate villain. Right. In this right. way, where I'm just like. <laughs> Yeah, even in this, it was like, who cares about Pushkin? Yeah, I was like, I don't need you to kill Pushkin. Yeah. And Atomic Blonde, it's like, why do you need another outfit change? Yeah, this, yeah I don't yeah. need the scene. This movie's already too long. Like, That's true. I, I Obviously, when, when Equalizer 2 comes out, we will cover it, and we will rank the sequels yeah. for sure. That is something for that sure. will happen. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, I think we'll continue talking about the Tony Scott Antoine Fuqua question as we go, because there's yeah. more to talk about, but I want to continue getting through the episode. So uh, let's get into Bolt's... Uh, that's not what it is. Let's get into <laughs> fist pump moment. I can read. Um, <laughs> fist pump moment's that moment you're watching a movie, something happens. You're just like, yes, this is so good. I'm watching this movie. You want to... I think these days, you and I don't watch the movies together very often, so yeah. fist pump moment is usually the moment that I pause the movie and text you something. Yes, yes. Um, that tends to be what I notice now and i'm excited i remember texting you about it i'm very excited about my fistful moment this time yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with mine first because i think we can both agree that the moment when he's like 16 seconds 16 seconds and he turns around and kills everybody is incredibly the best moment it's the best moment in the movie by far but yeah my favorite part of that scene my fist pump moment is is when he goes up to the dude who's bleeding out on the ground dying yeah and he's like what is it ninety seven hundred dollars yeah ninety seven hundred dollars seven hundred dollars he's like that girl, her life, it's going to go on. She's going to keep on living. Yours yours ends here, right now, today. Over $9,700. Should have taken the money. Should have taken the money. Yeah. And it was, and he was like, I'm sorry, or whatever. And I was just I was just like, fuck. I was watching it with Say, too. Yeah. And she was like, $9,700. And it was just that moment of just yeah. like, it's that moment where you think it's like you could say this cool one-liner. Yeah. But you say something that 
earnest. Right. Just $9,700. You lost your whole life over it. And yeah. I, just, I got chills. Yeah. And that was my fist pump because it's like that whole scene you knew was supposed to be your fist pump, but that was like the button on it or the cherry on top where I was like, this is amazing. Well, it's so funny because like lines like that can totally work or they can be Keanu in Point Break saying, Roach, you're cold because all the blood is rushing out of your body. You're going to be dead soon. I hope it was worth it. You're going to be dead soon. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's acting <laughs> um, so anyway <laughs> my this moment comes in a, a different slightly different moment in the movie um, so uh, Robert McCall Denzel yep. uh, he's coiled he's he's about you know he's waiting to strike he's paying attention and in slow-mo we watch him as soon as he's caught the ball in the baseball game jog slowly back oh. in to home plate and I'll tell you the reason I'm dead serious this is my fist bump moment I liked it so much for like a bunch of reasons because it was like I almost wanted him to be like, "Yeah, motherfuckers, I like like I own this intramural baseball game in the 14th district. You cannot hit on me. Like I got my boy Manny. He, like he, he, like Shit. you know Manny's like the security guard. Like he's, yeah, yeah. And like Denzel's just like, of course, of course he's like a like a really good fielder and he's right. not going to drop the ball. And he's, like he's got the perfect form and he, and he like. <laughs> but the best thing too is that he's not even playing good baseball because he doesn't call it. He just gets in the way of the other person, which is yeah. like total bad baseball etiquette. But yeah, I that moment for me was I laughed out loud. He like slow mo jogs in with like the sunglasses. He's like super serious in I the face. Someone last night. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like I had one hundred percent forgotten what your moment was. Yeah, I'm so glad that I didn't ask. That was my fist pump moment. It's just it was just everything about Denzel that I like, and I just like love the fact that Foucault was like, "We need that." Yeah, moment. we need to get that shot in. It's got to be slow mo. Denzel, he's got to show that he's a dominant baseball player. Also, look, we've got to get this pickup day shot in the baseball field. Let's move. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys. So those are our fist pump moments. Please send them at us at MA Podcast or throw them on the, the Facebook fan page. Okay, um, everybody's set for the shot. Uh, Denzel, where is he? He's at the hot dog stand. Uh, Denzel, put your shirt on. We just need you to slow mo. Just just run. Jog in. We'll we'll add the ball in later and post. <laughs> uh, so let's get into star profiles here. We yeah. got um, Jason Isaacs, who is wait what? <laughs> Martin. Sosis. I thought this was Jason Isaacs this whole damn it's time. It's a typo. It's Jason Isaacs. <laughs> uh, so Martin Koskis. Uh, yeah. Did you write down where he's from? I didn't, which I, I would love for you guys to tell me where on earth Martin uh, Koskis is from, because he's from a place I've never heard of. And it's not often that I actually just hear of a country where right. I'm just like, I've never heard of that place. Uh, so so that's him. Um, he was in Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. He was in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and he was in Noah. He was also in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And... <clears throat> He's kind of one of those guys that is just going to be a tertiary character or kind of like a hollow villain yeah, right. for most of his career. He's not a bad actor. He's actually really good in this movie. Yeah, he is. I think that he does a really good job at just being straight up evil. But what, what are you going to tell me? I'm going to tell you where you keep talking. Okay. I'm going to write it um, down here. <clears throat> but he's the type of guy where you and I have seen Lord of the Rings a hundred times. And we're talking about it today where, you know, who he is in it. And we're like... Is he an elf or is he a, is he no he's a dwarf. Oh wait, no no, he just stands next to Galadriel when she's talking. And like, yeah. oh yeah, that's him, right. you know. And <laughs> and same with Amazing Spider-Man 2. He's like a like Dr. Ashley something in there. And so anyway, uh I like Martin a lot. I think he's a great actor. Uh I don't think that he'll ever do much with his like not not do much with his career. That's not fair to say. I don't think that he'll ever like break to the next echelon or the next tier of level of stardom. This feels like the the like the biggest type of role he'll get is right, really like, terrifying villain who's like across from Denzel in a Fuqua movie. Yeah, and like he's pretty memorable in this movie, honestly. Yeah, except for the fact that I thought he was Jason Isaacs the entire time <laughs> and announced the movie as though he was Jason Isaacs. <laughs> I mean, this picture we have of him up here, he's very creepy. Yeah, he's creepy, uh, and that scene is he's he's really good in that scene. He's yeah. very evil, uh, and his death is great. Um, yeah, his scene where he um, he like leans back after uh, something he's covered in tattoos. Oh yeah, it's that weird shot that fades into the city. Yeah, yeah, it's another one of those Fuqua moments where you're just like, you fancy yourself to be an artist. Yeah, exactly. You really want to make something artistic here that we, even though that's not what this movie is. Yeah, and if you pull up, I think Martin's IMDb or you pull up the IMDb of this movie, it shows a scene or it shows a BTS shot. Of uh, of Martin sitting there in the chair yeah. with the tattoos and Fuqua sitting next to him, kind of being like, "Yeah," and it's like, "What are you saying?" Yeah, <laughs> he's just sitting there. <laughs> he doesn't say a word. And anyway, so uh, uh, he's from uh, Invercargill, Adaroa. Okay, guys, Inver Invercargill, Adaroa. Yeah. Does anybody know where I? And I'm probably pronouncing it dead wrong. A O T E 
A-R-O-A. Oh, so it's in New Zealand, they're saying. Ataroa? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, so that's, I was waiting for the next comma, New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> in that. So thank you guys for clearing that up. Yes, we know Jason Isaacs is not in this movie. Um, <laughs> um, so yes, that's uh, that, That's Martin Koskas. Yeah, uh, then you go to the other side to Denzel, which yeah. is... This is an interesting time because I... So he did Safe House in 2012, he did yep. Flight in 2012, and he did yep. Two Guns in 2013. So it almost felt like Denzel was, like, falling off, but he got a flight. You know, Flight was, like, an incredible performance from him that had kind of broken what he'd yeah. been doing for years. Flight's really good. That movie, like, I, it was on TV the other day, and I watched a bunch of it. Like, that movie's very good. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's... it's. <laughs> so when I was staying on your couch during yeah. the worst phase of my life, yeah. I was drinking a lot. Yeah. You're like, you really need to watch Flight. It's really good. <laughs> and I remember just watching it and being like, I could be a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> It was not, it was not healthy. But my point though was you, that, and then you turned on the heat, and then I turned on the heat and <laughs> set off the fire alarm. And uh, I don't know how I got turned on. I don't know what happened. I, just, I don't know. <laughs> um, but Safe House and Two Guns, uh, you and I didn't see either of those when they came out. And nope. for me, looking at it uh, at his filmography, I was kind of like, it looks like Denzel's done because I didn't watch Flight either. Yeah. However, you love Flight, and did he get a? He didn't get a nod for that. Did he, he get did. a Golden Globe or no, he, he got, got an Oscar? He got an Oscar nod, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, that was his uh, prior to um, what's it called? To Fences. That was his uh, his last nom for a little while. Um, I've now seen all these movies. Actually, I've seen Safe House, I've seen Flight, and I've seen Two Guns. I've, I just haven't seen Two Guns. Yeah, because we covered Safe House on here. It's yeah. a pretty bad movie. Yeah, it's very um, bad. Flight's really good. <laughs> Two Guns, uh, not very good. Is that the one that's on the cover with him like and pointing? Walbert? He's got the hat. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's not uh, it's not particularly great. It's uh, there's a couple interesting parts about that movie. Um, it's fun to see the two of them together in a movie, but it's just kind of like badly written and it's a little too lighthearted. Uh, Paula Patton's in it. Still looks great. Oh, Topless. Her. That was kind of interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> it is weird when like these actresses do that. Late. Um, I know. Because it's like she had already. Later in their careers. She, yeah. yeah ex- totally. Like I remember watching it and it happening and being like, huh. I didn't think that Paula Patton was still at the phase of her career where she would do this in a movie like Two Guns. You and I had that conversation numerous times throughout Atomic Blonde. Where yeah. It was just like, yep. I mean, unless Charlize is the one that's doing this, it's like, what is Stilisky doing? Is he Anyway, we don't need to speak on that. We don't know. So what I do think is fun is the top five old guy action stars. Old or out of shape, current or potential or present or previous. Yeah, the idea here is that like when Denzel walks away from an explosion in like pleated khakis with like a tucked in yeah. checkered shirt, and or when he just like, gets out of the car in the beginning of Deja Vu and he's like yeah. clearly forty pounds overweight, <laughs> you're like, it's not, it's not even like overweight. It's like the idea that it's action like, star. It's like the idea that you're supposed to be like the super capable action star, but you like kind of look like you haven't really worked out in about right, a year. Right. You kind of look like you know you probably get the California burrito a couple times a week. Right, like. Uh, Jonas Tiger made a great, a great. This is one of the greatest examples of all time. Was Halle Berry in Swordfish? Oh yeah, yeah. Cool, when you totally. were like, you've won an Oscar. Yeah, you right. You don't need to do this. Totally. You know. Um. And anyway, so uh, let's just kind of let's just riff here. So my favorite that I have to list first is of course Mr. Russell Crowe because he was supposed to be yeah. McCall yeah. in yeah, this yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. which I'm glad that Crowe wasn't because he wouldn't have been able to be in the nice guys if he'd done this movie. I think. Well, here's my thing. So I I thought about all these guys. Right. Um. Couple things I noticed. First one. Made me really sad to think about the fact that we ha- we don't have like a dearth of awesome, um, super like name recognition black actors in their sixties or who are like very out of shape that get those kind of roles. Because I was trying to think of guys in this conversation, I couldn't really think of very many. Most of them it's, are like super charactery, like they're just no business being an action star, right? Or they're younger. Or who's who's someone that you were thinking that's like super character that has no business? I like I'm just trying to think of the guys that get the roles. I'm like, well, Morgan Freeman's like literally oh, okay. eighty. I see what you're saying he's yeah. like he's not going to get it. Like James Earl Jones is like literally eighty. He's, he's not going to. You're not going to have him be an action star at this point. I was like Idris too young. He's like a legitimate. He action still star. is. I mean, Idris would kick my ass. <laughs> Terrence life. Howard, Don Cheadle. These guys are younger. I was trying to think of like, and also like it wouldn't be funny if they were like out of shape. It just doesn't seem like their character. Right. I was trying to figure out why that was. Yeah, Cuba Gooding became a joke. Right. Uh, yeah, it's really tough. Weird. Um, Jamie Foxx, like, he's younger. He's still too young, because he was a badass in Baby Driver. Yeah, and I think it's probably because the vast majority of the guys we're thinking of were guys that were coming up in the 80s and 90s. I bet Ving Rhames could still pull it off somehow oh. if he was, like, actually in a good movie, though. Cause, Maybe. Oh. <laughs> I don't know, man. As Luther, he's, like, 
<laughs> him waddling yeah. away at MI5. Is one of the, all right, I strike that from the record. <laughs> Samuel L. Samuel L. could still do it. Yeah, that's yeah. a good example that's a great of a guy. Example. Thank he you, could, uh, Scott Boswell. Yeah, he even could pull you it off. Samuel E. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, so all right. So some of the yeah. guys. So, so like, here's the, some of the ones I thought of. Uh, Russell Crowe. I don't think I could take seriously as an overweight action star. God damn it. <laughs> Because he's too good doing it as a comedy. He looks way too hilarious. He's yeah, just, it's yeah. something about the roles just, that he's he like did prior. couldn't do it. He's too much of a leading man. Yeah. Whereas, uh, even though he's like pretty old, Brendan Gleeson would be excellent. Oh, I love it. I believe Brendan Gleeson. I even believe Cox could still do it. Yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I actually had them written down on this piece of paper that I threw away. So Gleeson's uh, probably my single favorite. Um, oh, uh, I, yeah. And the other ones that I had are, are guys that are just... They just are action stars. Yeah. And, they, and they're just older, but I'd still believe it. Like, the Willis's of the world. Yeah, for I sure. I can see Willis get out of shape. I can see Stallone get out of shape because he kind of is in the newest Rambo. Um, I but, think that uh, if Gibson gained 50 pounds... Dude, I love it. Yeah. Love it. Like, like pretty overweight old Gibson would be excellent. We should cover Blood Bloodfather on the show now that we've both watched it. You loved it? It was good. Yeah. <laughs> it was real good. I actually watched Daddy's Home, too. The first one? Uh, Daddy's Home 2 with oh. my sister. I haven't seen the first one. Was it pretty funny? It was pretty funny. Yeah, I'm like, Gibson's I'm gonna, great. I'm still gonna see it's it. such a dick. Um, so another one I had, I love Gibson Costner. Yeah. You know, after doing yeah. Man of Steel yeah. again, I was like, I, I don't even want to see Costner gain weight, <laughs> though. I just want to see him get old. Yeah, yeah. old guy. Like, super badass. He'd be a good old guy action star. I agree. <clears throat> um, there, was, uh, there was a couple others that, that came to mind for me that I really, really liked the sound of. Um, well, he's only 53, but I think Clive Owen at this point in his career could pull off old guy action star pretty well. And it wouldn't even Getting bother there. me if he was a little out of shape. Yeah. Uh, I think he could do it. Brosnan, I think. <clears throat> I, I wrote Ford because he just did it when we watched The Force Awakens. Yeah, but I thought he was pretty <laughs> sweet in The Force Awakens really? still. I did. Um, and I believed it for a second. And like, I honestly think that when the next Indiana Jones comes out, if he has a moment in that, maybe it could be sweet. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Do you uh, think Connery could still do it? No. He's like, he's, Connery's like 90. I know. <laughs> uh, the other guy that came to mind, last one before we move on, is um, Ed Harris. Because yeah. because Ed Harris, I think, could be, like, really crazy. I think if they made him, like, a really Old ruthless... Oldman, Old too. Crazy. Could always yes. be scary. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's the thing, though, because these guys that we're getting into, it's like the Oldmans and the Harrises, who we actually probably out of this conversation we think would be the best. Yeah. It's because they're such good character actors right. that it doesn't matter. Um, like so, That's why he was so good. Yeah, so we're, we're running long... Uh, on this or running short on time. So we're going to kind of breeze through production really quickly. Um, so Richard Wank wrote this. And one thing that I thought was really interesting that I wanted to pull up that I read on trivia was uh, that this movie was in basically development hell for about a decade. Yeah, right. Um, it was originally developed by the Weinstein brothers. 2005. Yep. That's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, they brought in a couple novelists to do it. And then the first script was supposed to be with Paul McGinnon to direct with no progress in 2010. The rights were sold, blah, blah, blah. Haggis was brought in to write another draft with Crow to play Robert. And that didn't happen. They both dropped out. And then Denzel saw it and expressed interest in it. Well, there was it. also then the, the period of time where Nicholas Winding Refn, who did to drive, was supposed to do it. Then it was Albert Rupert, Rupert Wyatt, who did oh, the Planet right. of the Apes, and he, he turned it declined. down. Yep. Um, and then finally it got to Fuqua. Um, I think that Fuqua was the perfect director, honestly, to have done it at the point that he did it. Yeah, and I think that Denzel's the perfect actor to do it over, over. I mean, I guess the other main person was Crow, but Denzel is, yeah. is way far and above better for this role. Richard Wank, uh, the writer, is a guy that we've talked about here, on here before. Yeah. He's done he's done a bunch of movies that we've covered. The movies he's done have been like Expendables 2, Jack Reacher 2, Magnificent 7. He got his writing career started like at 50. Um, he's one of these guys that just broke in kind of late. Yeah. Um, it's directed by Fuqua. We talked about him a bunch. And the producers largely... Todd Black is a guy that... He's the main guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd Black's covered a bunch of movies that we've we've done on here. Um, he's He did... Or maybe not a bunch that we've done. He, he did like Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. Um, Predator? No. no. he's in Predator. Did e- yeah, he did Equalizer. But he's just done a bunch of movies with Denzel. So like Antoine Fisher, Great Debaters. He did The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith. Um, he's like a, definitely a pretty big name guy. He's doing the sequel as well. There's like seven or eight producers on here, including Denzel. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> like I said, since we're running a little low on time, we'll skip skip past those. Uh, but what I do want to do before we hop into box office is rank the Fuqua movies. Yes, I think that's a great plan. I think we should, uh, yeah, the definitive ranking of Fuqua movies. We do them all? I think we do them all. I mean, the only ones we could strike from the record if we wanted were the ones that you and I have collectively not seen. So I haven't seen Bait. Nor have I. And I haven't seen Lightning in a Bottle, but I've heard that's actually really good. That's a documentary, though, yeah. so we can we can stay away from that one. Uh, the Replacement Killers, I've seen. Yeah, Training Day, Tears, Tears of, of the, the Sun. Sun, I've seen. King Arthur, I haven't, but I'm I've pretty sure that. we can throw that in there. 
Shooter, Brooklyn's Finest, Olympus Has Fallen, The Equalizer, Southpaw, and Magnificent Seven. Richard Eric Jarvis is going to be so mad when we put Southpaw out of the number one spot. Yeah, so I can tell you guys right now, <laughs> Southpaw is not high for me. I like that movie more than you do. <clears throat> Um, yeah, maybe, uh, how many is there? Eight? I'm uh, continuing to write them down here. So we got Replacement Killers, Bait, Brooklyn's Finest, Tears of the Sun, Training Day, Southpaw, uh, Magnificent Seven, so King Arthur. So the worst one's got to be King Arthur, right? Or, oh, is it Brooklyn's Finest? Am I missing one? Oh, oh, Shooter, I forgot to write Yeah. Down. Read them out to me one more time. Uh, King Arthur, yep. Tears of the Sun, Training Day, We Haven't Seen Bait, Replacement Killers. Yep. Equalizer, Southpaw, Olympus Has Fallen, Finest. Olympus, that's the one yeah. I forgot. So, 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 so we've got <clears throat> ten movies here, and the two that we really won't talk about would be Bait and Brooklyn's Finest. Yeah. Um, all right, I think for me, the pretty clear number one movie on this list is funny because it's either Equalizer or Training Day. Oh, we're going to start at number one. Okay. Uh, yeah, for me, it's it's got to be... Unless you want to start the other side. Let's start the other side. Okay. I like that more. I think the worst movie's got to be King Arthur, right? Yeah, probably King Arthur, Tears of the Sun, I would think. And then Brooklyn's Finest right above those two? Yeah, I didn't see it, so... Oh, I didn't either. So, yeah, we, st- we, we can stay away from that one. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I've heard um, horrible things about it. I think Tears of the Sun is the worst, probably. That yeah, would be my guess. Probably. Uh, and then I although think, I've heard King Arthur is unwatchably bad. I mean, it's very bad, but... Right, it, so Tears, those are, those te- are tied te- Tears of the Sun is very bad. Yeah, it's really bad. Uh, and then I guess the next worst film would probably have to be... The Replacement Killers? Yeah, it's, yeah. Pre- it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, but it has its moments. Yeah. And then this is where it starts to get kind of tough, is because, like, everything else that's in here, <laughs> uh, like Brooklyn's Finest, Shooter, Olympus Has Fallen. So, okay, so let's go to the other side now. Let's, so the best one, I think, is Training Day. It's got to be. It's got the best overall power, probably. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think we go Training Day and then Equalizer? Yeah, I think that's probably pretty fair. Um, I think it's. I think Southpaw's probably three for me. Yeah. Um, and then is Shooter or Mag? I think Magnificent's better than Shooter. Yeah, Mag Seven's actually kind of sweet. I actually really <laughs> enjoyed that movie. Yeah, I think Mag Seven's actually pretty good. Um, and then Shooter. Uh, yeah. What about? Oh wait. Olympus? Or, uh, oh, Olympus is Olympus is better than Shooter. Shooter for sure. Yeah. So I think Olympus but is, is it better than Mag. Um, Olympus is sweet. Yeah, but D'Onofrio's <laughs> in Magnificent Seven. That's true. <laughs> That's true. You got a good point. I'll switch those. I really like Olympus Has Fallen. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I enjoyed Olympus all the way through more than I like Magnificent Seven. <laughs> and then Shooter. Yeah. Shooter. So we got so we got number one Training Day, number two The Equalizer, number three Southpaw, number four Olympus Has Fallen, number five Magnificent Seven, number six um, uh, Shooter, number seven Replacement Killers, number eight King Arthur, and number nine Tears of the Sun <laughs> with... Uh, no ranking on Brooklyn's Finest or Bait. Yeah. So, uh, what's the chat have to say there? <laughs> <laughs> I think the chat is like, why are we talking about Fuqua movies? No. Um, Jarvie is the only person that ranked them, and he said, uh, number one, Southpaw, two, Olympus, three, Shooter, four, Training Day, five, King Arthur. Um, but yeah, if you guys have rankings, please throw them in the chat. We'll look over them real quickly or put them up on the uh, AMA question. I know that Sarah, uh, Sarah made a post. I think Richard also made a post yeah. on our two respective groups. So please, guys, go throw some stuff in there. I'm going to get into box office and critical. We are running short on time. So I'm going to breeze through this. It was produced by Sunny, Sunny, uh, Sony in Columbia. It only cost $55 million to make. It was released in September of 2014. Here, domestically, it grossed $101 million. And overseas, it grossed $90 million for a grand total of $192 million for a $55 million movie. It opened at number one, making $34 uh, critically, it has a 7.2 on IMDb, and then it's got a 60, a 62, and a 76 by critics. Um, it's pretty standard. On Rotten I mean, Tomatoes. Yeah, it's, everything about this is, is like, it's, it's right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yep. nothing's too crazy, nothing's too low, the scores aren't, the scores feel adequate, um, and it made money, so that's why everyone's asking, why did it get a, a sequel? It's because it almost quadrupled its budget. Yeah, for sure. So, also, this is, by the way, guys, the first franchise <clears throat> action movie that Denzel's ever done. So it's the fr- it'll be the first Equalizer. It'll be the first sequel he's ever done in his entire career. Whoa, crazy, right? Yeah, that's a trip. Yeah, I like that. He's just never been a guy to do sequels. Good for him. Yeah, um, it's funny. Like the, you would think that the the uh, box office on this movie is like not that impressive, but we've talked about this before. If you go look at Denzel's box office, it's not impressive. This is yeah. one of the this is one of the best returns on investment that he's ever done. Yeah, it's really crazy, um, guys. I, I I really would 
ask you to go do that. Go look at Denzel's box office overseas, worldwide, for his whole career, and, and compare it to some of the other, like Will Smith's, Tom Cruise's, uh, even just some of the biggest names yeah. that came and went, and you'll see how crazy it is. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, so, anime question, is there anything else you want to touch on with that question? I mean, <clears throat> I, I guess the thing is, like, talking about comparing those two guys, I, I would say the answer is no. He won't be the new Tony Scott, because Tony Scott's understanding of storytelling and what was actually... Uh, like meaningful in a movie it was so much more pronounced at an early right. point in his career than I've almost ever seen out of Fuqua. I mean, even even in Fuqua's best two movies that we have listed here, Equalizer and Training Day, I can barely think of a moment in Training Day that makes me feel anything. That most of that movie is pretty just like it's just popcorn fun with like Denzel just being like larger than life. Even like what are the serious moments in that movie? That make yeah, you feel I, anything? I, exactly. I'm trying to think, and I think the, the I guess the most intense moment is when he kills Scott Glenn. Yeah, right. And then the other one is when. Uh, Hawk's about to get killed in the bathtub, and then he, he's like, "Well, you got that picture, Holmes." Yeah, you know, and you're like, "Oh shit!" <clears throat> but even then, it's not one of those moments where, like, you know, he he did something good and good prevailed, and I feel something powerful here. It's one of those moments where you're like, "This is too convenient." Yeah, right. You know, it's, it's just it's just missing. <clears throat> I can like like there's a great article, guys. Um, I guess so. Richard mentioned Southpaw a little bit, but it's like I already knew that McAdams was going to die in the trailer. So like, it didn't... Southpaw made me feel more. But, yeah, for but sure. Southpaw made me feel more because of the kind of movie that it is, and yes. also the fact that it's like a pull at the heartstrings type of movie. Yes. Um, what I was going to say though is there's a if, if anybody listening to this and we've talked about this once before, I can't remember who wrote it, but there's a really really great article. If you just Google uh, Tony Scott Denzel. You'll you'll find it, and it's the whole idea that like Denzel Washington was like tailor made to be Tony Scott's guy. Yeah, he talks about the movies that Denzel made with Tony Scott, and how like there's just this like unassuming confidence to the type of casting and, and the type of scenes that he put Denzel in, yep. and the type of characters that he would have Denzel play. Yeah, and it was sort of just perfect. And he talks a lot about Fuqua, and he talks about the Equalizer specifically in the article, saying that like it's really like the best Denzel movies that that are made these days where he's like Denzel the icon are movies that feel like they should have been made by Tony Scott anyway. Yeah. Like the Equalizer feels like it should have been a Tony Scott movie. Absolutely. So does Magnificent Seven in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and technically if he would just throw in <clears throat> some of those rotating camera angles, cuts and coloring, I would believe it. Right. Two guns easily could like, it just feels like there's a, there's a style that Tony Scott really understood that is, and even in his best moments, I don't feel from Fuqua's movies. Fuqua's yeah. like fast becoming a guy that I would love to do an interview with. Like, I totally. what I've realized is like I would just adore sitting down with that guy because like is he like fifty or is he like in his late forties? He looks like he's pretty young. Yeah, still. I think he's like fifty. Um, yeah, and it's like you go back and you know people are saying how much they miss Tony in the chat, which we do too. Yeah. Um, you go back and you watch <clears throat> Man on Fire. And there's so many moments even that aren't like the moment of, of him just helping her swim with yeah. the guns and the clapping yep. and the speech that he gives her and the moment on the bridge or, or Creasy Bear or like, you know, I do. It's like every one of those moments gets you to tear up. Yeah. And it's the type of thing that it's it's hard to do that. It really is hard to create a moment for an audience that, that you don't look at it and you're kind of like, why is it trying to make me feel this way? You just feel. All of them, yeah. And um, and, and that's that's a thing that Fuqua is going to have to develop and evolve more if he ever wants to be quite like Tony was. Yeah, there's. I think like there's a, a feeling, and you can see it so much in this movie. But it's like there's a real focus on his his characters being cool and in cool situations. Yeah, and that's like very common. And it it's it doesn't like serve the audience. It doesn't make us feel smart. I think in a way that like Tony Scott. Like it's funny because he's such like a an action director, but like his movies make me feel like I understand and appreciate movies on a higher level. Even though, like, someone even said just now that, like, we're missing mid-level movies, or, like, mid-level movies are missing Tony Scott now, and it's such an interesting point, because it's, like... They only seemed mid-level when they came out. Exactly. They don't seem mid-level in retrospect. Exactly. Yeah. And even then, when you go back and you watch them, they are kind of, like, you're like, oh, well, you know, Unstoppable is a movie about a train, but it's, like, it's everything else that happens in it, so... We, we like, yeah, we talk about <clears throat> this so much, but, and the amount of old movies we go back to watch, we watch them, we walk away just being, like... Yeah, it was fine. It's like so not the feeling that you get when you watch those old Denzel Tony movies. Yeah. They're like the they're like they he created something special in those movies that we like did not realize when they were first coming out. Yeah, absolutely. Even in retrospective, watching Man on Fire two years ago uh, and and watching it three years ago from when we covered it on the show yeah. to just being a fan of the movie. Yep. Uh, so there are three action movie categories. Well, we did skip favorite line, and we are oh, we we're, did we're wrapping right now. But uh, I do want to just make sure we both throw ours in just yes. so the fans who've been waiting for it. 
uh, are fully aware. Um, I will say that my favorite line's got to be when uh, <clears throat> the, when the bad guy Koskas first sits down and he's talking to uh, the dude from Stranger Things, David Harbour. Yeah, and he's like, David Harbour's like, whoa, whoa, like this is my town. What do you think talking to me like that? And and he sits down and he's oh. like. You are still under the impression that your feelings matter. They don't. Yeah. I'm sent. And you're like, you're like, yeah, this guy means business. Like, I've been sent to tell you what to do. Yeah, he's a sweet villain. Yeah. He's good. That was probably my favorite line of the movie. Uh, I actually noticed one really early in the beginning. It was just progress, not perfection. Yeah. He was talking to the dude because it's something you and I have talked about for years and years in our friendship. Um, the other one was when you pray for rain, you got to deal with the mud, too. Yeah. It's just like a sweet Denzel yeah, line. For sure. Yeah. Um, all right, those are our favorite lines, guys. We talked AMA question. There are three action movie categories. Totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Totally legitimate movies are going to be like The Fugitive and uh, what Gladiator yeah. and uh, Lone Survivor. They're, they're serious. They hold together well dramatically. They don't Same really ever fall apart. Uh, totally ridiculous Con Air face off, you know, the fifth element. Um, sorry, Demolition Man, I mean. They're like very silly and uh, element, they're, <laughs> they're ridiculous, uh, but they're. They're still awesome. And then the middle category, ridiculously legitimate. Um, they're movies that are like very kind of silly, but they're held together by at least one really, really strong, dramatic, or impressive or important principle. A great the performance. Rock, you know. Yeah, The Rock, Predator, Point Break. Um, something about them is special. And this movie's totally ridiculous, I think. Right? Is it? it I think it is, because it, even in its best moments, even in Denzel's sweetest moments, it's like him walking away from an explosion in slow-mo. Or, like, him killing a bunch of dudes and, like, checking his watch. Yeah, exactly. He's like, no, 19. Even, even the stuff <laughs> even the stuff about, like, him being OCD, like, as much as I appreciate him doing the background work. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel. It, it, like, doesn't even make sense. Like, most of it is just, like, there and you're just like, I wonder why he's doing that. I don't care. He's going to kill a bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to throw it in the middle category, ridiculously legitimate, just because I felt enough in this movie and I thought there was enough badass moments and, like, I thought Denzel might die, and, you know, there was enough for me to where it was just, like, it, it didn't feel completely ridiculous. And also, I think it was because the person I was watching it with was, like, so blown away by the movie. Yeah. Uh, which I also thought was awesome. So, um, yeah, I'll throw it in the middle category. All right, guys, there's only one last thing to do on the show, and that's called The Pitch. Uh, so, guys, coming up next week, I think Andrew and I are both in the, I think, are we in agreement we're going to do it? I'm cool with it. I, I haven't seen it since uh, theaters. Yeah, Master and Commander, Far Side of the World, Peter Weir, 2003, Best Picture nominee. There's a talk of a sequel coming out this yep. week. Russell Crowe uh, went on record talking about a sequel, so uh, this will be a lot of fun. I like this movie. This will be a fun one to yeah, cover. Yeah, and, and it's one of those rare occasions where I don't know the movie that well or you don't know the movie. You I don't know remember it. it I don't well. know. Yeah, yeah. So, and we love Crow, so hell yeah. Yeah, so we'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place for Master and Commander Far Side of the World. In the meantime, if you want to follow along with either one of us, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and, and you Instagram. you can find me at Andrew Guy on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, you know, Facebook fan group, all those things. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, guys. Apologize for being a little late starting today. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. Views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.